Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, our text may seem something of an appendix to the letter of John. After all, if you're familiar with John chapter 20, you know that John chapter 20 ends with those words that come across like a conclusion, a summary, the verses 30 and 31, where John writes, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John chapter 21 may appear to us as an appendix following those words which come across like concluding words. But that would be a misunderstanding, brothers and sisters, because what we read in John chapter 21 is very closely related to John chapter 20, especially John chapter 20, verse 21. On the day of his resurrection, the Lord Jesus appeared to his disciples, and he said to them, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The eleven, later the twelve, would be sent out as apostles in the kingdom of heaven. They would be sent out with the word of God. And in John chapter 21, the Lord Jesus is preparing his apostles to be for their task in the kingdom of heaven. And so it is that we read in our text about the Lord Jesus preparing Peter for his task as apostle. And as we listen to this passage ourselves today, brothers and sisters, this passage has important lessons for us as we perform our tasks in the kingdom of heaven, whatever those tasks may be whether that be in the special offices as minister, elders, or deacons, or whether that be in the office of all believers as prophets, priests, and kings, or in our daily calling, our daily work. All of it is kingdom work. And in our text this morning, the Lord Jesus is also equipping us, preparing us, teaching us for our task in the kingdom of heaven. And that's how we want to listen to this passage this morning. I proclaim to you about Christ preparing Peter for his task as apostle. And as we focus on that, we'll know three things. First of all, Christ draws a confession of total unworthiness out of Peter. Secondly, Christ tells of his sovereign will over Peter. And thirdly, Christ points to the grand perspective for Peter. So Christ prepares Peter for his task as apostle. And as we focus on that, we know three things. First of all, Christ draws a confession of total unworthiness out of Peter. Secondly, Christ tells of his sovereign will over Peter. And thirdly, Christ points to the grand perspective for Peter. 
It's striking, brothers and sisters, when you read this account and how the Lord Jesus spoke to Peter that our Savior began by addressing Peter as Simon. Simon. He didn't refer to him as Peter. And that's important because you need to understand the distinction between the name Peter and the name Simon. The name Peter was the name which pointed to Christ's grace in the life of Simon. You'll recall that when the Lord Jesus called Peter, he referred to him as Simon, as Peter. He called Simon and he referred to him as Peter in John chapter 1 verse 42 where we read that Peter was brought to Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Cephas was Aramaic. Peter is Greek. The Lord Jesus said, You shall be called Peter. I think also of the occasion when Simon Peter made that good confession about who the Lord Jesus is, as recorded in John chapter 16, 17 through 19. Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The name Peter was used within the context of Christ's grace toward him. But the name Simon pointed to the man with all his human characteristics, with all his weaknesses and shortcomings, I think, for example, of Luke chapter 22, 31 and 32. Our Savior had just instituted the Lord's Supper. He was going to be betrayed and arrested. And we hear him saying, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Simon was going to fall. And the Lord Jesus used the name which pointed to the man in all his weaknesses. In other words, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus, by addressing Peter as Simon, was already pointing out that the man in himself had no power and no worthiness to serve in the kingdom of heaven. And that was important for the Lord Jesus to emphasize. Because Peter had always been someone who thought very highly of himself. Peter was someone with a big ego. Peter was always at the forefront of the disciples. Peter was a take-charge person. We read it in chapter 21 yet this morning. 
Peter was the one who took initiative. Peter was the one who jumped out of the boat when he recognized that it was Lord Jesus on the shore and he wanted to get ahead of the rest. That was Peter. And Peter thought that he was better than the other disciples. He was a very outspoken person, a very opinionated person. If Peter had something on his mind, you heard about it. I think, for example, of what Peter said when the Lord Jesus told the disciples that he was going to go to Jerusalem where he would suffer and be betrayed and die. Then we read in Matthew chapter 16, verse 22, that Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. How in the world can you talk like that? That was Peter. Not afraid to express his opinion, even to Christ. And then I think of what Peter said when the Lord Jesus told his disciples after instituting the Lord's Supper and celebrating for the last time the Passover with his disciples. I think of what Peter said when the Lord Jesus told them that they would all fall away. And then Peter said, as recorded in Mark 14, verse 29, even though they all fall away, I will not. That was Peter. He thought he had staying power. He thought that he was more devoted to the Lord Jesus than all the other disciples. Nothing would get him down. That was Peter. A man with a big ego. And by addressing Peter as Simon, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus was drawing attention to Peter's total unworthiness. And the lesson is, there is no place for big egos when someone is serving in the kingdom of God. And then the Lord Jesus began to ask those questions. Three questions about Simon's love. The first question, Lord Jesus asked, was this one. It's in John 21, verse 15. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? In other words, the Lord Jesus was asking Peter, do you still think that you have one up on the other disciples? Do you still think that you are better than the other disciples? And then Peter answered, as recorded in verse 15, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But notice, brothers and sisters, Peter left off those all-important words more than these. Peter no longer thought of himself as better than the other disciples. That big ego of Peter disappeared. And notice also, and I have to point this out to you because it's not readily apparent from our translation. Some translations try to make it apparent I also have to point out to you that when the Lord Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? 
And Peter responded, you know that I love you. There's a difference in the verbs. There's a difference in the words for love. The Lord Jesus used an elevated word for love, a word which emphasizes that this love springs from the will of man, to to say it that way for lack of a better way. It's a word which emphasizes that man is conscious of this and very actively involved with this. It springs from his will, from his whole being. But when Peter answers and says, you know that I love you, Peter uses a word of lesser rank, a word which is about the love of affection, a word which does not make us think of the will of man. Peter had changed. And then the Lord Jesus asked a second time, verse 16, Simon, son of John, do you love me? The Lord Jesus left off those words more than these. He still used that elevated word for love to see whether Peter would still refrain from using that word. And indeed, Peter responded, as recorded in verse 16, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He responded using that word of lesser rank. And then the Lord Jesus asked for the third time, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? And this time, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus used that word for love of lesser rank. In other words, Simon, do you even have that love for me? That love of lower rank? Notice also, brothers and sisters, that it says not that the Lord Jesus asked a third time, a third time, but it says that the Lord Jesus said to him the third time. In other words, this is a new question. This is a question with a penetrating focus. The third time the Lord Jesus says, Simon, do you even have that love of lesser rank? And Peter understood what the Lord Jesus was getting at because we read his response in verse 17. We read that Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, not that the Lord Jesus said a third time, but the Lord Jesus said the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. At that point, brothers and sisters, Peter was filled with grief because he realized that it was necessary for the Lord Jesus to even ask of him that very basic question. Do you even have that love of lower rank? Do you really? And it grieved him. And you hear his grief also 
in the way he expanded on his response by saying not just, you know that I love you, as he said the previous two times, but he added, Lord, you know everything. You detect the sense of exasperation on the part of Peter. Peter was no longer the same man. And we immediately think of those three denials. Three questions by Christ about Peter's love. Three denials by Peter in the courtyard of the high priest. No doubt, brothers and sisters, Peter thought of that too. And thinking of that low point in his life when he denied his Lord three times probably was partly the reason for his grief. It all came back to him in an instant that he had denied his Lord three times. You know how it went. Peter had followed the arresting party into the courtyard of the high priest. He stood at a distance. And when he asked whether he too, when he was asked whether he too belonged to the followers of the Lord Jesus, he steadfastly denied it. All the other disciples had fled the Lord Jesus when he was arrested, but Peter stooped to the greater law of saying with words, I don't know that man. And now the Lord Jesus asked Peter those three questions. Do you love me? Because the Lord Jesus wanted to make sure that Peter had understood that Peter had learned the lesson and that Peter no longer had that bravado and that Peter no longer thought that he could serve Christ in the kingdom of heaven in his own power. Do you love me? And notice, brothers and sisters, how Peter responded. The Lord Jesus asked Peter three times, Do you love me? And Peter responded three times by focusing on Christ. You know that I love you. Peter had changed. The Lord Jesus asked about Peter, but Peter didn't want to talk about himself. Peter focused on the Lord Jesus. You know that I love you. Peter had always been the person that spoke about himself. Peter was always the person who said, I this and I that and I think this and I will do that and I won't do that. It was always all about Peter. He had a big ego. He had an opinion. He was very outspoken. He was a take charge person. But now, a change had taken place, and Peter no longer focused on himself. Peter, do you love me? And Peter right away shifted the spotlight away from himself and onto Christ when he said, you know that I love you. 
And then the Lord Jesus spoke about his task. After Peter answered the Lord Jesus' questions three times, after each question, the Lord Jesus began to speak about his task. In verse 15, the Lord Jesus said, Feed my lambs. In verse 16, the Lord Jesus said, Tend my sheep. In verse 17, the Lord Jesus said, Feed my sheep. You see, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus was drawing out of Peter a confession of total unworthiness. And when Peter confessed that in the way in which he responded to the Lord Jesus, by using that lesser word for love, by not saying, I this, I that, but you, 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 then the Lord Jesus had established that Peter was in the right frame of mind to serve as an apostle in the kingdom of heaven. And you know, brothers and sisters, that should also be our attitude as we serve in the kingdom of heaven. And whatever task we have, that's the only way to serve properly and effectively in the kingdom of heaven. When we have that attitude, that confession of total unworthiness, that confession of weakness in ourselves, powerlessness in ourselves, then we can properly and effectively serve in the kingdom of heaven, in whatever task. In the special offices, minister, elder, deacon, in the office of all believers, which we all have as prophets, priests, and kings, prophets who confess the name of Christ, priests who present ourselves as living sacrifices of thankfulness to Christ, kings who fight sin, and in our daily calling, our task, our work, it's all kingdom work. And the Lord Jesus is establishing in our text what we need to know, the kind of attitude that we ought to have, the confession of our total unworthiness. You see, brothers and sisters, as we serve in the kingdom of heaven, as we perform our tasks in the kingdom of heaven, there's no room for big egos. There's no room for self-absorption. There's no room for self-reliance. God wants to hear that same confession of unworthiness from all of us as we serve him in the kingdom of heaven. And then we also notice that the Lord Jesus speaks of his sovereign will over Peter. He does that in the verses 18 and 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Those words of Christ are about his sovereign will over Peter. The Lord Jesus was telling Peter that he would die a martyr's death.
Peter had been the kind of person who would chart his own course. And the Lord Jesus says that when you were young, you went where you wanted. And that's how it was. In fact, Peter often tried to walk ahead of the Lord Jesus rather than follow the Lord Jesus. But now the Lord Jesus is telling Peter that as he follows the Lord Jesus as an apostle in the kingdom of heaven, following Jesus would mean for Peter following the Lord Jesus to death. He would be taken prisoner. His hands would be tied. They would hold his hands in front of him, tied up. And they would lead him by a rope to his own cross. A church father writes that Peter was crucified upside down. And he was crucified upside down At his own wish. Upside down. Not like Christ. Right side up. Peter went upside down. And Peter understood that the Lord Jesus was speaking in this veiled way about his death. And that's why when Peter looked over his shoulder... And saw John walking behind them. He said to the Lord Jesus. Lord what about this man? What's going to happen to him? And you understand the question brothers and sisters. It's a very human question. Peter was thinking if I have to die a martyr's death. What about him? Would Peter be the only one? It's a very human question. Misery seeks company. And we today have that same inclination. We look over our shoulders in the kingdom of heaven, and we try to see whether others have it easier as they serve God. We try to see whether others have a greener pasture as they are serving the Lord Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. And when we see that others have it easier, then we sometimes have the tendency to become discouraged as we carry our own load in the kingdom of heaven. But notice how the Lord Jesus responded to Peter. The Lord Jesus cut him off. We read in verse 22 that the Lord Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. The Lord Jesus was speaking about his sovereign will. And our Savior uses a very emphatic way of speaking. He doesn't use a noun here. He doesn't say, as we have it in our translation, if it is my will. But the Lord Jesus says it very emphatically using a verb, if I will that he remain until I come. What is that to you? And the Lord Jesus uses a verb which points to the unshakable character of his will. 
God has a plan. The Lord Jesus has a plan for Peter. The Lord Jesus has a plan for, for John. And those plans are going to unfold exactly according to the will of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus is telling Peter to only focus on his own life because the rest is none of his business. What is that to you? It's a very nice way of saying, mind your own business. And then the Lord Jesus says, you follow me. Notice our Savior does not say, as he did earlier in this conversation with Peter, follow me. No, the Lord Jesus says, you follow me. It's very emphatic. Never mind about John, says the Lord Jesus to Peter. You follow me. Wherever that takes you, whatever happens... And that's what we need to remember today, too. That's really no different. There's a plan for each one of our lives. And God is unfolding that plan according to his sovereign will. And we are simply called to follow God wherever his plan takes us. We must recognize God's sovereign will over our lives. We must realize that, brothers and sisters, in order to function properly in our task in the kingdom of heaven. We must submit ourselves to the sovereign will of God as he unfolds his plan for our lives, as we serve him in the kingdom of heaven, in whatever way. And as the Lord Jesus speaks to Peter about this, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus also points to the grand perspective for Peter. Because our Savior says in verse 22, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? The grand perspective is indicated by those words, until I come. The Lord Jesus is pointing Peter to his return on the clouds of heaven. The Lord Jesus is making a point here that our service in the kingdom of heaven must be seen within the perspective of his return on the clouds of heaven in glory. And the Lord Jesus is pointing out to Peter by way of these words, by speaking about this grand perspective that we must serve the coming of the kingdom in our task. That's our perspective as we function in the kingdom of heaven. Whatever task we have, it must be seen within the perspective of Christ's return. And it must be seen to serve his coming. Peter's crucifixion as a martyr served the coming of the kingdom. And the Lord Jesus presents all of this in that conversation with Peter 
as he prepared Peter for his task as apostle in the kingdom. And we hear it too. And we need to learn from it too. Because the Lord Jesus wants us to serve in his kingdom. Wherever he has called us. With whatever task he has given us. In such a way. That we confess our total unworthiness. That we submit to his sovereign will. And that we focus on the grand perspective of his return. Amen.